Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Bless his holy name. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to share with your people. God, we bless you. We thank you, Lord, for your people all over the world, all over the city, all over the nation who have joined in with us tonight. God, we even see prayer requests that are coming up on the screen from those who are asking for prayer for loved ones. And so, God, we touch and agree with them right now. And we believe, God, that by your stripes you have already healed us. We thank you, Lord, for your merciful hand tonight. Be with us, speak to us afresh, and help us to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, bless God, saints. Welcome tonight. So glad that you are joined us online tonight in this cyber sanctuary as we have been uh, meeting in this fashion now for many weeks, but we thank God there's no reason to rush away from this. God has given us this wonderful mechanism. We can come into your home, into your car, into your bedroom, living room, dining room, wherever you're sitting at, and you have access, we have access to bring you the word, and we're excited about it because this is a way that we can continue doing the work and will of our God. I'm excited tonight to have you join us. I want you to make sure if you're online, you're from the Shiloh family, welcome our visitors that may come in for the first time and view the broadcast with you. Welcome them as family. And we're excited to welcome them to this wonderful platform to hear about what the Lord is doing. I want to take some time tonight. I want to spend a few moments with you. We've been dealing with this. <clears throat> this makes the 10th iteration of this series I've been working on. The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. I, um, I've got several pieces to add here. So tonight I'm just layering on to what I've already taught. And then next week I'm going to layer some more on there because this is not a one-time thing. We're going to grow in this together. Those of you who are mature, I pray that you will mature all the more. We don't stop growing. We keep growing deeper and deeper. I want to, I want to talk about this quiet mind for troubled times. Uh, we have been pitching our tent in Psalm 46. It is... Uh, a psalm of, of great importance. In verse 10, the A portion has been the resting place for the dialogue. It simply says, be still and know that I am God. <clears throat> be still and know that I am God. I, um, I started last week talking about experiential theology. That's a theology that, uh, born out of experience, it is, it is, and I do believe this, that people experience God, and it is through that experience of God that they are able to hear the word of God and ultimately receive God into their lives. I do believe that the portal is experience, which is why the worship experience is so important. I don't think that people just um, just come in and all of a sudden want to know God. 
Something has to happen in their life. And when one experiences God at a deeper level, life changes in wonderful ways. And I said this before time, and I'll, I'll repeat it. It's the unitive experience with God. And once you know it, and you realize it, can't be duplicated in any other experience. Once you have experienced God for yourself, you realize it cannot be duplicated in any other experience. There's, there's nothing you can do to match the joy, the peace, the happiness of a relationship with God in the earth realm. No matter what materials may be available to you, I don't care what the best chemists have made at Pfizer's. I don't care what the best uh, spirits have been made in Tennessee. I don't care where it comes from, the best wines from California. You, you cannot duplicate an experience with God. You can get close, but only in the experience with God, in union, can you know. I want you to catch this. This is important that you hold on to this. The experience with God is unitive. And the highest participation of the divine nature. The experience with God is unitive. And it is the highest participation of the divine nature. You want to experience the divine nature of God. You experience it by that wonderful participation in going in and being in God's presence. I, um, there are a lot of ways to have that experience. We can have it in worship. We can have it in, um, in music. Uh, some people will tell you they, they sang until they had it up. Our forebearers believed so much in an experiential theology that in the Old South, they would have mourner's bench. And the mourner's bench would be there, and if you wanted to get saved, you would sit on the mourner's bench. And that was a place set aside for people seeking a divine experience. And you would sit there hoping to feel something. And uh, particularly during big meeting time, that was the revival. And preacher would be preaching. And if you didn't experience anything, if you got up too soon, one of the old mothers would come and pat you on your shoulder and say, sit down, you, you ain't got nothing yet. You ain't got nothing yet. Just sit on down. That, you, you, you had, they, they wanted to know you. <clears throat> you came into a different consciousness about God. And that was not just emotive. It wasn't a wave, a hallelujah. They could sense and see a, a change in you, something that was, was different about you. And I, I tend to believe it was full participation in the divine nature. And at which point you experience God and therefore you were moved by God's very presence. Um, it, it is said that um, Bishop Charles Harrison Mason 
the wonderful founder of the Churches of God in Christ, a part of his story is his going to the Azusa Street Revival. And at the Azusa Street, he's there in the revival. And others are receiving the Holy Ghost. They're receiving the Holy Spirit. He had not yet received it. And he, he, he got to himself and got quiet within himself. Others were doing other things and other people had spoke. But he needed the aloneness with God to where God could reveal God's own self to him. I'm not going to talk much about that now. I'll come back to that because it is a quintessential experience that he has. And it ultimately, out of that experience, is birthed that anthem of the churches of God in Christ, which is simply yes. Because the experience with the divine nature is one that forces and causes you into surrender of the self and of the whole will and ultimately the response becomes yes. I surrender myself to you. I will not I will not, I will not lead myself. I will allow you to lead. I, uh, if I don't remember in the next couple of weeks, someone put it in the chat and remind me. I'll tell more about that story. But it's interesting. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, in the New Revised Standard Version, has something that is interesting. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, the New Revised Standard Version says, Thus he has given us, through these things, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust, and may become participants of the divine nature. That you may become participants of the divine nature. I want to suggest to you today and and I'm going to put it out. You, you need to get this, get this, write this down. Death to the old self and the awakening of the new self is the true born-again experience. Death to the old self and the awakening of the new self is the true Born again experience. Death to the old self. The old self. The old self is what, and, and, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play around on a line that I've got to be careful dancing on because it's, it's a pinhead and doesn't have much room for the dance, but it makes sense in this regard. The old self is the false self. It's the false self. It's not the real self because the real self is hidden within you. But the old self, the false self, is a part of the mask of yourself that you put before the people, that you live into, you walk around in. It is the false self. We call it the old self. We call it the old man. We, we, we call it the old nature. 
We call it the Adamic nature. We call it carnality. We, we, we have many names for it, but it is the false self. It is the old self. But once the old self has been, has been killed, crucified, you have entered into an awakening, an enlightenment, the light of Christ enlightened. The light of Christ has come and shined in you. In the midst of the enlightenment, the old must die that the new can come forward. I, um, uh, like everybody, I've got, I've got extremely large feet. I, my, my, uh, my feet are big, and I usually like to go to see uh, these um, people that cut your nails and what have you. To, to, and I've got a wonderful place, and people are very kind to me. As I come in there, I scare half the old ladies in there. They see me walking in, have no clue that I'm actually a client. Uh, but these young uh, Asian beautiful ladies, they're wonderful kind. My my uh, my daughters at first didn't want them to know they knew me because they're like, oh God, don't embarrass us, Dad. But I, I walk up in there and they they cut my toenails and keep me from you know those ingrown toenails. Do a great job. And then at the end when they when they're doing the pedicure, they scrub off your heel. Uh, you ladies, y'all been hiding this stuff from us men. Oh, my Shandomaka. Woo! Shiloh, my king. Come ride it on a Harley Davidson. Good God Almighty. Look, so they scrub off your heel with a brush, and they, they do all the good stuff to it. And, and so I had been planning back in February to go see the lady. I'm going to see her. Well, I get busy, and March rolls around. So I'm going to make an appointment for that Tuesday, the 16th, I think it would have been the 17th of March. I'm going to have an appointment. And all of a sudden, COVID-19 hit. They closed down the shop. Lord have mercy. Which meant I have not had a chance to have my pedicure. I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> the other day, I'm washing and cleaning, doing everything, and I thought my foot was falling off. Because I, I really discovered that every time, and I had never really realized, because I've been doing this for a while, they were actually, when they were using those brushes, and they were clearing off dead skin. They were taking off deadness. They were taking off dead cuticle, dead pieces. And the dead stuff was there. And so the new and fresh skin would be alive and healthy. Y'all missed that. If you don't take it off sooner or later, you have a problem. And some of you are walking around with new growth and deadness on top of it. God's trying to birth something new 
but that which that is no longer connected in a prosperous way is still there, keeping for the new from being revealed because you haven't let go of the dead skin that's trapped around your soul. You, you, some things got to be just scrubbed. Up. Okay, I, I, let me let me see if I can break. I'm trying to break something into your mind here. You, you, you have to know that until you allow yourself to fully experience cognitively, it's already happened spiritually. You could not have accepted Jesus Christ without the old man dying. It's dead. Your soul and your soulish mind has not caught up with the information. It's dead. It's dead. It needs to be scrubbed away. It's dead. See, see, you, you're not getting there. It's already a finished work in your salvation, but you're walking around in your false self, your old self, your carnal self, and you're not maturing because you're holding on to the old instead of entering the place of the new. Death to the old self and the awakening of the new self is the true born-again experience. Let, let me break this down in Scripture here. I, I, I've, got, I've got this here. here. I, I, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, my dad's favorite Scripture here. He, 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 in 1985, he came alive. That's his word. I came alive in 85. He, he, here's his favorite Scripture. I am crucified, Galatians 2, 20, with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified. I died. I am crucified with Christ. I've died. I'm, that's over. The old has died. I've been crucified with him. And nevertheless, I live. Resurrection. That's what the point is. Resurrection. I live. Died. Live. Well, in our baptismal ceremony, we, we always uh, baptize, and we baptize by immersion here. But the, the idea, however you form, you do it in, because this is all symbol. We baptize, and you lay down in the water which symbolizes death. And we raise you up again, which symbolizes life resurrected. And, and, and I know some of you have been looking at baptism forever, but it's death resurrection. I've died. Um, I don't know, Minister Martin, you might remember this. Back in the old church, he was saying, so I, said, I done died one time. Don't have to die no more. Because the death, my death, is on resurrection. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. This is an important text here. Mark 8, 34. Get your, your Bibles out. Here it says, when he, when he called the people to himself, 
with his disciples also, he said to them, who desires to come after me? Let him desire himself, deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. One passage says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I, I'm, I'm suggesting today that you have to let the old self die so that the life that is promised with the gospel can live in you. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. The, one writer put it this way, he or she is a new being, a new being new being I, and, and, and it is this new beingness that I want to be a part of we are new creations um, uh, if you read in the amplified version the amplified version says that he is a new creation reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit Reborn and renewed. You, you, you've been reborn and renewed. Now, it is the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, let me just finish 2 Corinthians 5, 17 before I move on. He says, the, the, the last part of that says, Behold, new things have come. And parenthetical statement is this, Because spiritual awakening brings a new life. That, that, that's 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Amplified. Because spiritual awakening brings a new life. You, you, new things are coming. God, God is bringing something new because you have been spiritually awakened. I, I want you to get this next part because this is important. The Holy Spirit desires, watch this now, to negotiate the surrender of the soul for the fulfillment of the mature self fully woke. <whistles> Hold that right there. Hold that right there. Don't go nowhere. Someone needs to get this. The Holy Spirit desires to negotiate the surrender of the soul for the fulfillment of the mature self Fully woke. Fully woke. I gotta negotiate. Since 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 the spirit is at work, and, and since it is my soul that is that is in the midst of dealing with and negotiating with all of the things coming from my senses, as we've talked about in previous weeks, and then what God is trying to put in me from my spirit. I, the Holy Spirit wants to wants to get this thing and and have the 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 soul surrender so that the force that is guiding life is God 
See, Jesus says, I give you the paracletos, the comforter. And most people, that's all they want. But he also said, I've given you this Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And most people want the Holy Ghost as comforter, but not lead and guide. Because to be led and guided means that I have to surrender control. So there are three things, three ways. Three ways this is accomplished. Three ways this is accomplished. I, I just want to give these and I'm going to close. I promise you I'm not going to hold you too long, but I, I feel something tonight. I feel uh, this is an interesting negotiation we're in. Three ways in which this is accomplished. The first of which is the maturing relationship. A maturing relationship. In other words, you've got to get off the milk, get to the meat. you got to grow up. And let me, before I press some scriptures on you, I, I, I want to pull this here. Maturing relationship means that I am ever growing. And in terms of the believer, I'm ever getting deeper, ever coming into the knowledge of truth, ever moving closer to the perfect will of God. I, you, you ought to never believe that you have arrived. Because you are always a candidate for a deeper walk with God. The believer that thinks they've all that, they have missed reading most of the New Testament because everyone in the New Testament recognized that even as they reached a state of maturity, they were still groping, looking and awaiting on God to give divine direction in the midst of life. Go with me just for a few minutes to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> chapter 3 is where he talks about folk dealing, eating, drinking milk. And I'm not going to try and go there, but I want to just tell you, read chapter 3 sometime and you, you'll see some of the confusion going on in the Corinthian church. But, but just go with me. I'm going to use the Amplified version for this because I don't have time to do all of it. But drop down to verse 10, and I just want to take a brief look at these, uh, let me say, let's say six verses. So I'm going to 10 through 16. And this is the Amplified. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. So if God wants to reveal something to you, he's going to do it through the Holy Spirit. And how is he going to do it? He's going to do it in your spirit. He's going to unveil it. Now, sometimes that will come from an external source, as in prophecy, revelation, knowledge. But generally, even the prophecy has to resonate with my spirit because I've got the spirit of God in me. So, so he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to reveal some things. And he says, he says, for the spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsels and things far beyond human understanding. Stop right there into verse one. <clears throat> there are things about God and in God that I never will understand. Let's just put it this way. 
God is incomprehensible in totality. But God reveals God's self to us, even though we are not able to understand all of God, we are able to understand what God has revealed to us and what God is willing to reveal to us. And he says, you need the revelation in order to now move forward because I'm going to let you know that I'm working through spirit and I'm not working through flesh. I'm working through spirit. Okay, now Paul tries to explain this in verse 11. He says, for what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man or woman except the man or woman? Spirit within him. So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So if the thoughts of God are contained in the Spirit of God, then the only way to know the thoughts of God is to have the Spirit of God so you can get the thoughts of God. You're not going to get the thoughts of God just running around and you're not going to just get it just listening to me because what I'm trying to do is to teach you how to get in the presence of God so that you can get the mind of God. Teach was. I'm trying to. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Here's what you got. He says, you didn't get the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. So I have been given the Holy Spirit so that I can know. Be still and know. I've been, as a New Testament believer, been given the Holy Spirit so I can know. I've been given the Spirit so I can know. Verse 13, we also speak these things not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, in a few weeks, I can't do it right now, but in a few weeks, I want to teach you a lesson. And again, if I, if I fail to do this, put it in the chat. They're going to remind me of it. But, but I'm going to teach you a lesson about this idea here of interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. One of the problems we have is that sometimes we say God said and what we really mean is I received an impression and I interpreted the impression through these words um, I'm going to mess with someone right now this is going to blow your mind the language of God is not words the language of God is silence I'll let you sit on that for a minute. So that we can then receive from God in the midst of silence, God will leave in us the impression, the, the, the way, the will, the, the move of God, which we are then capable of understanding in a manner that our minds function on. And so we interpret. Um, 
this going to mess somebody up. Someone could speak in tongues, and it seems like they speak in tongues. You, you've been in worship, and they speak in tongues like they're talking tongues for, for two or three minutes. And an interpretation will come that seems like only last seconds. And you're like, how in the world can we have three minutes of tongues and two seconds of interpretation? Because the overwhelmness of the spirit in which the person who was, who was gifted with tongues may have been functioning under gave a word or gave opportunity for a word, but the word may not have been as large as that person's capacity was to be engaged in their heavenly language. So that when the physical words came out from the impression put forth by the tongue, they were not as grandiose in length. Doesn't mean they were not powerful, and it doesn't mean that the person who spoke was not legitimately authorized to speak. It just means that we have to, we get the mind and the impression of God, which gives the revelation. And it, the revelation always comes through. Watch this. It's going to mess someone up again tonight. The revelation comes through human beings, which means that two of us could get the exact same revelation and say it in different words. Neither of which has to be wrong because the overall impression will be right on point. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. I know I, I just went a little deep. That, that's, uh, for those of you who don't know, that's prophetic school uh, 202. That's not 101. That, that's, I just jumped up two, two steps on you. I'm sorry. Verse 14, but the natural unbelieving man does not accept the things teachings and revelations. Unbelievers can't accept what I'm talking about tonight. They're not going to get this. This is too deep. He says, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. They are absurd, illogical to him. He is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. Look, a person that is not spirit-directed, that does, is not connected to God, will listen to this dialogue tonight and they will think that I am talking a foreign language because it's foolishness to them because they don't understand the presence and the spirit of God and how God works in the earth realm. And that's really okay because it's not for them. I'm talking now to those who wish to be spiritually minded and those who wish to walk in God at a deeper level. And I'm getting ready to lead you into how we're going to bring your mind into position so that you can receive the deeper things of God. And I'm not talking about just this, this surface level of just interpreting and talking. No, I'm talking about all of the depth of God, which is the peace of God. For ultimately, the best place in God that one leads prayer with is not with a word. The best place one leaves prayer with. Now abided these things, faith, hope, and love. When you finish, those three ought to be imminent in you. And love ought to be at the top 
of the list. Okay. Come on back. I know I just I just took a little detour to go to home plate, but you stay stay with me tonight. Verse 15. But the spiritual man, that's the spiritual woman. The spiritually mature Christian judges all things, questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual mature nature. For, for who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord and so as to instruct him? But we have, here it is, we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. My ultimate goal, and yours ought to be as well, is to be guided by God's ultimate thoughts and purposes. That's what we want to do, to be guided by God's ultimate thoughts and purposes. And that's, that's important for me to get to that place where I allow God to guide me. Now, now you, you, you need to realize this, <clears throat> that this is done via the Holy Spirit, that God wants to guide you, God wants to be in front of you, but you need the mind of Christ in order to do that. So you need to let your false self, your old self, your shallow self leave so that you can take on the new self. Now, now listen to me. You see, some of what you have been, you've been, you've been blowing off folk when they told you, you know, you have a real mean personality or you're really sharp when you talk or um, I can't believe you said that so, so rudely. You're just rude. You've been blowing them up. That's just who I am. No, it's not who you are. That's your false self. That false self was created through your childhood, through the pain you went through, through the things you've gone through in your life, through your trauma. And so because you've experienced psychic trauma in your life, because you experienced some things with some people that mistreated you, it shaped you into that false self, that old person. And that person right there has to be dealt with because that's not who you really are. People know when they're around you and they get to know you, here's what, you know I'm talking to you now, if people have ever said this to you, you know, I didn't think I was gonna like you, but once I got to know you, I realized you're really all right. What that says is the self that they met, your false self, your old self, the self that they ran into was not the true you. They ran into the person that had been molded by pain. And because of that, that's how they experienced you. And they had to get past your facade that you've been holding up and the mask that you've been wearing to find out that the true self, the true you, was much different than what they first experienced. It happens that way with some people who you who put the whose false self it seems to be nice. And then you get to really know them, you find out, so, oh my God, I can't believe that. I can't believe that about you. So what, what God does is, first of all, 
what God wants to do is he wants to have a mature relationship with us. So he's maturing us in our relationship, helping us to learn who we are in him. And I, I talked about this in my talk about identity last week. He wants us to mature in our relationship. But secondly, he does this with us by helping us manage our reality. Manage reality. Manage reality. He wants you to manage reality. Now, let me, I want to say a few things before I press the text too far. <clears throat> Look, your reality is you may have been abused. Your reality is that the fact that you got saved didn't take the pain of that abuse from you. Your reality is you may have had some hard breaks in life. And the fact that you got saved didn't reduce the breaks or didn't give you new, fresh, easy life to run in. Your reality may be that everything is going well, but you can't find happiness in relationship. Your reality may be that you really don't want to be so biting, but you don't know how to live another way. Your reality may be you, you have made up in your mind that you're going to be different and you know the areas that need to be worked on, but you have not figured out how to work on them. God wants to manage your reality, help you to manage your reality with a changed attitude, a changed awareness, and ultimately changed actions. He wants you, he wants you to do this. Changed attitude, changed awareness, and ultimately action. Changed attitude means that the way I look at the world, look at life, it's got to change. I'm not mad at everybody just because someone else did me wrong. You know, sometimes some of us have relationship problems because we keep looking for the same thing that happened that happened before that made us hurt. And so sometimes we actually hurt people before they get to hurt us. And it's true, hurt people hurt people. So you have to get a change of attitude about life in general. And then you have to have an awareness. And that awareness has to be a self-awareness. You have to become self-aware. You got you to check yourself. You know, I, I, I tell people sometimes, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Sometimes you just, you can just, just take a bite out of crime. You think you're McGruff the crime dog. It's like, oh, wait. Life's not like that. You gotta check, you gotta have a self-awareness that, that that of what's going on. And then you've got to put in your mind that you're gonna take action. And I'm I'm suggesting that this part of taking action starts in your contemplative or in your prayer life. That is that I'm not talking about praying for God to do something now. I'm talking about you maturing to the point where you spend enough time with God that He, through the Holy Spirit, gets to work on all those things in you. And as the Holy Spirit takes over as guide and lead, guess what? The pension that you may have had to blow up gets blown up. And now you start speaking out of the spirit and not out of the flesh. So now your anger gets taken and you take that anger and you don't bottle it up and put it away and end up with, with gas in your chest because you're holding too much in. No, instead, your anger dissipates as you discover what the Spirit of God wants you to do to work through that situation into a, something better. 
because something good has got to come out of it on your behalf. Okay, I'm, I know I'm running out of time. I just got so much I want to keep putting forward tonight. So stay with me for a moment. So God wants you to manage your, your, your reality. And, 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 and so Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. I don't have time to do all of it, so I just want you to know, in verse 17 he says, I don't want you to live in the futility of your minds, that is in the foolishness and the emptiness of their souls. That's verse 17 in the Amplified. He said, the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds, in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls. God says, I don't want you to live in the foolishness or in the emptiness of your soul. There's something better for you. He says, you have now got to get to the place where you know that your reasoning is no longer clouded. Your reasoning can't be clouded. That instead of having a clouded reasoning, instead of going around in ignorance and blindness, spiritual blindness, he says, I want you to get to the place, verse 18 says, that your heart become sensitive so that you're not functioning in hardness of heart with insensitivity. Preach Watts. Let me tell you something. God says, I don't want you to be like that functioning with insensitivity. I don't want you functioning in the hardness of your heart. I don't want you getting to the place where you say, I don't really care what you think. Well, I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm grown. Yes, you are grown and yes, you can say what you want to say. But is that the mind of Christ? Is that how Christ speaks through you? Are you representing what Christ is to you when you function that way? Are you being your, watch this, best self? See, don't just live your best life if you're not going to be your best self. Don't, don't talk about you are, I'm living my best life. If your best life does not include you being your best self. He says, verse 19, he says, I need to make sure that you're not going to be stuck in spiritual apathy. He says, I want you to get to the place where you understand who you are. Drop down with me here to verse 22. That's where I want to pick up at because I got another part to put in before I close tonight. He says, he says that regarding your previous way of life, hold on somebody. He says, regarding your previous way of life, your old life, regarding who you were, he says, you put off your old self. Are you looking at me? He says, you put off your old self. And let me go it again. I said, you're going to get rid of the false self. Your old self was the false self. That wasn't you. That wasn't you. See, that, that, that's not who you are. You're better than that. Your old self was the false self. Your old self, the old man, the old woman, that's the false self. That's not you. And here's, here's if you didn't get it there, Amplified Version tightens it up even better. Completely discard your former nature. completely discard your former nature. I'm sick and tired of you telling me this is just who I am. No, it's not who you are. It's the false self. It's the old self. That's not who you are. That's not what God made you to be. 
God made you to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God doesn't want you to be lonely. God doesn't want people to run away from you when you come around because your old self is keep coming through and you keep wounding people by what you say because you think you're grown. No, that's not what God wants for you. God wants you to live happy and joyous and peaceful life. And you're not going to get there as long as you keep that old dirty grit on your heel. Scrub it off. You've got to get rid of the old self. You've got to get rid of the false self. Discard the former nature. Now we know we can discard it because it died at spiritual awakening. So we're carrying, a, a, watch this metaphorically, we're carrying a carcass in our spirit and we're letting the dead carcass of the old self guide the new life. And how does he do it? Through memory. What was. And every time you get ready to do something or act a different way, memory jumps in. Memory says, this is what was. Then imagination agrees with memory and says, and this is what's going to happen. And you never get to live in the present because you're living in the past. And the past is informing the future before you ever get to it. So you are predetermining the outcome of a situation because you lived in the past. You predetermined the future before you got to it. And your present is a product of your past catching up with you and snatching the life out of your future. You got to get rid of that. You got to get rid of that. You got to get a fresh mind. Verse 23 says, verse 23 says, and be, now watch this. This is why I talked about a moment ago about, about a maturing relationship. You, you, it's, it's not over. Listen to what, what verse 23 says. And be continually renewed. Not one time, continually. Because see, some of us, we do better for a while, and then we relapse. Do better for a while, relapse. We do better for a while, relapse. We fall right back into the old self, the old way, the old false self, not, not, not who God wants you to be. Renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. Woo! Preach what? He says, I want you to get a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. I want you to get a fresh attitude, a new attitude. Come here, Patty LaBelle. We need a new attitude. We need a new attitude. Not just a renewed mind, but a new attitude. He says, and put on the new self. New self, new self. Old self, new self. False self, true self. False self, self that walks in truth. False self, 
the lies of my past, the lies of my pain that keep telling me it's always going to be this way, the lies of all those who spoke in my life and said I was no good, I wasn't good enough, wasn't tall enough, or skinny enough, or pretty enough, or nice enough, or smart enough, or that I don't, I'm not going to make it, the lies that keep telling me that I, don't, I can't achieve, or I don't have what I need to have, or I'm pretending to be where I'm not supposed to be. That's the false self, but my true self is the one that walks in God that tells me I am what God said I am and I can be what God's word says I can be and I have what God's word said I have he says look created in God's image here's the word godlike godlike let me tell you something if you were made in the image of God there's God in you So I want to live in a way that expresses to God my gratitude. I, I don't have time to keep going in here, but I'm, I'm going to leave you with this last one. My time is out. I'm already done. I know I got to close. So I'm going to give you this, and I promise I'll come back to it next week. But here's the last point I want to make, and that is that you not only need to deal with those realities, managing the realities, which are going to lead to ultimate actions, but you got to deal with mind reorientation. Mind reorientation. Mind reorientation. And for that, I say you have to change your focus. And, and I want to do this in the next two minutes, and I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to just commend you to the presence of God. But I'm going to tell you, you got to change your focus. You see, instead of every time you see a problem and something goes wrong, instead of, oh, no, to each new problem or issue, it's what are you doing in the midst of this? God, what are you doing in the midst of this? I'm going to change my focus. I'm, I'm not going to go to the oh no, how bad it is. Or, or, or maybe I'll do something like this. Or what can be done in the presence of this? That without which could not otherwise or would not come to, into being. What are you going to do in the midst of this? You, all of you know Romans 8 and 28. All things are going to work together for my good. I, 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 need, I need to get to the place. And, and watch this, watch this. Put this last word up here. Union with God that I'm talking about changes one's perspective or outlook on everything. Everything. The more time you spend with God, it's going to change your outlook on everything. Nothing is going to look the same. Everything changes. Everything changes. I, I, want, to, I want to close with this. What happens is when I get the mind of God, I start seeing stuff the way God sees it. I start seeing blessings the way God sees blessings. I start seeing people the way God sees people. I, I, I see people at their worst and recognize what they could be at their best. I start looking at things. You know, um, I want I want to do this for you. Uh, some of y'all, you 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 watched HGTV, and Chip and Joanne had their show on Fixer Upper. And when Chip and Joanne walk in the house with someone, they walk in, they go, "Ooh, my goodness." 
Well, I, that wall is yellow, and I, there are too many walls in there. I can't see the kids when they play. And Chip and Joanne says, don't see the wall. We can take that out. Y'all missed it. Property brothers. We, we, they walk into a property. They said, okay, what, what do you like? Okay, you can't figure it out. Let me take you over here to a house. You can't afford this. But I'm going to take you and show you what the possibilities are. Because everything in here, we can put it in there. Y'all missed it? Went over your head. In other words, when you get to the place where you can have a mind reorientation, what others see as problems, you see as potential blessings. What others see as issues, you see as ways that I can change the world. Y'all missed it? You got to get this. Because what God wants to do with you and the way your mind is going to be at peace is you're going to stop looking at issues as though the world is going to collapse. I, um, I, I was talking to my kids last night, I, and, and this is, I'm, I'm going to give a secular ex expression because I thought this was really interesting. I tried to unplug yesterday. I did my best to try to hang out with the kids, and the wife, we were trying to hang out. And I said, unplug, I'm stay right here. And then, then we were talking, and I, they, they were having a conversation, and I was ear hustling, of course, and I got in on the conversation because they were talking about, they were waiting on Rihanna to come out with some new music. And of course, they were having these real good debates. And so what they were saying was, well, I don't remember when she came out. And then they came back and watch this now. They said, well, she hasn't been making music, but she has put together a new clothing line. And I think that her clothing line is doing so well, if they don't make changes, it's going to shut the secret down. Those don't know that's Victoria's secret. Not trying to put it down. What, and they started looking up the numbers. And what Rihanna saw, the, what, what, what Victoria's Secret and, 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 and all those big stores saw as a problem. Girls with bigger hips or, or bigger thighs or shapes that were different. Rihanna said, no, that ain't a problem. That's not a problem to be solved. It's something that can be a blessing. And all of a sudden, she started creating her line of, of garments that would fit people that the other folk weren't helping. Y'all missed it. In other words, once her perspective was different, what others saw as a problem and not market, she made into a market and was able to make millions. The problem with us is if we stay in the same orientation that we have had towards life, this pandemic will always be the worst thing ever. Well, there have been pandemics before and they have ended. There have been problems before and they have ended. You've been broke before and God has provided. When you change the orientation of your mind, all of a sudden, what seems like catastrophe is no longer catastrophe, but opportunity. You see, our problem is that we got saved. We gave our life to Christ. But we never gave Christ our mind. And it's time for a reorientation of how we think. 
and it is thinking with the mind of God. And so I close tonight. I'm over time. I got much more on my paper, but not what I can do. I want to close tonight with this. I want you, this week, without fail, to take at least 14 minutes in the morning and 14 minutes in the evening. The 14 minutes you get in the morning will get you through the daytime. The 14 you get in the evening will replenish you for what's left in your day. And you'll be able to rest better. And I want you to spend some time with God in meditation. I want you to trust God. And I want you to just get in there in that silence and just let God be with you. Just be in his presence and let God speak to you. I love you. Pray you take this word with you. Saints, you know what to do. Join me in giving. Do what you need to do. If you're visiting and you want to join us and supporting the ministry, tonight's offering goes to our benevolence. This is a part of what we do in giving out to those that are struggling in this season now. And if you want to be a part of that, be a part of that. I do not beg because I believe that God will touch those that are intended to do so. And I love you all with the love of the Lord. Keep praying for each other and knowing we will get through this. A wonderful change will come over me. As Minister Lamont plays us out, I speak the peace of God to you. May you go in peace and may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. Happy anniversary, baby. God bless you, saints. We love all of you.